This weekend, people all over the America are celebrating Independence Day. Interestingly enough, if you go out and do a poll on the street of young people today, a lot of them really don't know why we celebrate Fourth of July other than it's a day to spend at the lake or a day that they get off work paid and they're really not sure what, what we are celebrating. But July 4th historically marks the historic date in 1976 when the United States officially declared their independence from Britain, from Great Britain. And as you know, you may know, you may not, um, Britain, once this was enacted in 1776, Britain didn't just pack up their bags and say, yep, we're done, we lost. (laughs) Actually, the war did not officially end until 1783, eight years later. And in that eight-year battle for freedom, a reported 4,435 men were killed in battle. And that may not seem like a huge number compared to casualties in in modern-day wars, but think about it was the 13 colonies. It was just a very small cross-section of America that were involved in in that war, not even all colonies at that point. But so 4,000 was a lot, and it was a lot to the the mothers and the wives and the, the families that lost those men. Over the years, our country has had and seen its fair share of wars. Um, some of you in this room may be veterans of, of a war. I don't know, but if you are, thank you for your service to our country. Um, America has never taken its involvement in war lightly. They've always carefully considered um, the cause before they stepped into that arena. Um, There had to be a compelling reason for us to become engaged in a conflict. The cost to Americans and to America has been great. Since that first war, the Revolutionary War, Over 41 million men and women have fought to defend our freedoms and the freedoms of those not able to defend themselves. And of those 41 million, over 1 million deaths were reported due to um, battle and in service during those, those wars. 1 million people gave their lives for our freedoms and for the freedoms of other, other people in other countries. And I know, and I think Vanette mentioned it earlier, I know that Amer- the America we live in today is a far c- cry from the America <clears throat> that was born in the hearts and minds of our founding fathers. But I also know that because of their dream and their sacrifice, we have freedoms today that aren't available in other countries. While researching for this um, message, I found a funny little quip. And I will just give a little bit of a, I don't know what what it's called. There is a word for it, but I don't know what it is right now. But um, I have taken out all the names to protect the innocent or not innocent. (laughs) Um, And this little joke is about an American and a Russian. And the American says to the Russian, I have all the freedom that I need. I can even stand in front of the White House and yell at the top of my lungs that the president of the United States is crazy. And nothing at all will happen to me. Again, names have been removed. I'm not thinking of any specific president as I say this, okay? (laughs) 
the Russian responded, well, I have that freedom also. I can stand in front of the Kremlin and yell to the top of my lungs that the American president is crazy and nothing will happen to me. Just a little bit of levity. A little bit. I like to make people laugh. But freedom, no matter how you package it, regardless of how big or how small it is, it always, always, always comes with a cost to someone. Now, interestingly enough, I looked up the definition of freedom because it's always kind of interesting to me what definitions are in which place. Because, you know, when you open up the dictionary and you look at definitions, they'll have one, two, three, four. Well, freedom actually has three definitions. And I was... Surprise, although probably I shouldn't have been, knowing what's going on in our country today, the very first, most popular definition for freedom is the power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants without hindrance or restraint. Eeks. (laughs) Some might say we have taken that definition of freedom to the extreme. I don't believe that's the definition of freedom that our forefathers fought for. I don't believe that's the definition of freedom that our servicemen died for. The second and third definitions are closer to, I think, what the reality is. The second definition is the absence of subjection to a foreign domination or despotic government. A lot of our forefathers came from England to America because they were fleeing religious persecution. They were fleeing the fact that the the Church of England wanted to tell them who and how they could worship. They weren't even allowed to have Bibles. They weren't allowed to read it for themselves. They had to take it from whatever the, the bishops or the popes said. The third definition is the state of not being imprisoned or enslaved. And I think that you would agree that that's another reason that our servicemen have gone gone to war and and gone to battle. 87 years after the Declaration of Independence was signed, America was once again at war, and this time they were fighting each other in what is called the Civil War. As the war was drawing to a close in 1863, President Lincoln gave a speech now known as the Gettysburg Address. This speech was given at the dedication of the Soldiers National Cemetery in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and was a tribute to those men who had died in the battle. We're going to play through it. Just give me a quick minute before you advance slides. Um, Well, here it is right now. We're going to do it. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now we are engaged in a great civil war, testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. We are met on a great battlefield of that war, and we have come to dedicate a portion of that field as a final resting place for those who here gave their lives that the nation might live. It is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this. But in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate, 
We cannot consecrate and we cannot hallow this ground. The brave men living and dead who struggled here have consecrated it far above our poor powers to add or detract. The world will little note nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. It is for us, the living rather, to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought here have thus far so nobly advanced. It is for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us. From, that from these honored dead we take an increased devotion to that cause for which they gave their last full measure of devotion. That we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain. That this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom. And that the government of the people, by the people, and for the people shall not perish from the earth. And that was given on November 19, 1863. Fast forward to today, July 3, 2022, 159 years later. And I am struck not only by the truth of these statements, but also by the timelessness of this message. Did some of those lines jump out at you and make you pause and think, wow, that, that could have been said today. That could have been said to people who have, who have fought in wars today. Today I want to draw out a few parallels that will not only challenge you, but possibly change how you do life. The first parallel is the cross. Even as Lincoln was gazing out after at row after row after row of crosses, marking the final resting places of those who had given their lives in the Civil War, he knew that there were no words he could say or actions he could take that would add to the honor of the men who sacrificed their lives. And in that phrase, he said, we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hallow this ground the brave men living and dead who struggled here have consecrated it far above, and this is the phrase I want you to, to remember, far above our poor powers to add or detract. Far above our poor powers to add or detract. Yet how many times we as Christians look at the cross, at the cross and think, it's got to be more than that. It's too easy. The sinner's prayer is too simple. I have to earn my way into heaven. If I give to the right charities, if I do the right volunteer work, if I serve in my church, if I don't say no to any opportunity ever, then maybe, then I'll be good enough. Or if I clean my, my act up, or if I get rid of this habit that, that I know God's been challenge me on, you know, I, I can't smoke, or, or this list of do's and don'ts that we, we create for ourselves as believers, and all those things we're trying to add to the price that Jesus paid when he died. We're trying to make something more than was necessary. He did it all. And we wonder, as we 
bend over backwards and try to go through all those gymnastics of trying to figure out how to earn our way into heaven, we wonder why we don't have that abundant life that the Bible talks about. We wonder why we're depressed. We wonder why we're hopeless. We wonder why we're unhappy. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they might have life to the full, that they might have abundant life. All of those things that we are tempted to add to the price that Jesus paid on the cross, the devil is responsible for those. The enemy is responsible for those. He's trying to put you back in bondage that Jesus freed you from. Jesus paid it all, all. Say it all. (laughs) There is nothing left for us to do. We can still do all those things. I have a hard time saying no to anybody of anything to be in ministry, which is why I'm here today. (laughs) So I understand um, ministry. I understand wanting to serve your church. I understand being at church on a Sunday morning at 8.30 or 8 o'clock when your church doesn't start till 9.30 because you love God and you want to do it. Those things that we do that are extra, if we're doing them out of the freedom that God gives us and out of our love for him, then and only then will abundant life become a reality for you. The second parallel I want to talk about is the cost. From Lincoln's speech, he said, The world will little note nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. I would venture to say that some of you have never really looked at or listened to the Gettysburg Address. Can I see hands? (laughs) Without my friend Google, (laughs) I would have been hard-pressed to be able to reproduce it for you. But Lincoln was right. People will not remember what we say, but they will remember what we do. You know that phrase, actions speak louder than words? Did you know that that's attributed to Lincoln also, to Abraham Lincoln? He said that in one of his other speeches. But long before Lincoln was born, another writer stated it this way. In 1 John 3.18, the Apostle John writes, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions. And in truth, our actions, the things that we do for others because of the love of God that's in us and spilling over those actions, they will always cost us something. They will cost us our time. And how many of you have looked at, you know, seen somebody struggling on the side of the road with a flat tire or seen someone in the grocery store who's having a hard time and we've looked at our watch and go, "Mm, I'm due at such and such at this time and I just can't stop. I just can't. It will always cost us something. It'll cost us our time. Some, it may cost us our resources. We may have to pony up the dough to, to minister to a need. It may even take an emotional, t- t- emotional toll on us. I know as a pastor's wife of small churches for 20 years, 
I've shed my share of tears because of hurtful things that people have said and done as I've been trying to minister to them, if I've been trying to love them. So giving of ourselves, it's going to cost us. It's going to cost us. But it costs him everything. It costs Jesus everything. And so what he's asking from us is small, small compared to what it costs him. The Apostle Paul reminds us in Galatians 5, 13 and 14, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge your flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Actions speak louder than words. The third thing, the third parallel I want to talk about is the commission, the passing of the baton. When I was in high school, I was thinner, and I ran track, and I liked the relay because the relay was a team sport. It didn't rely on one single person. But I also love the fact that as soon as I handed my baton, the baton off to somebody else, my job was pretty much done for that race. My, the next person took on the baton and ran with it. Jesus handed that baton to us, right? And expected us to run with it. From Lincoln's speech, he says, it is for us, the living, rather, to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought here have thus far so nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave their last full measure of devotion. I can't read that without thinking of the disciples who were martyred for their faith, of Stephen, of the prophets in the Old Testament who were killed because the king didn't like the message they were giving. I can't read that section without thinking about Jesus as he got ready to ascend into heaven, said to the disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded of you. There are some who would say that that verse in Scripture was meant for the disciples and we're off the hook. I would challenge you and say, if you're one of them, you're wrong. <laughs> that is not the case. The Great Commission is for all of us. It's for all of us. Jesus handed the baton to the disciples. The disciples handed the baton to the next generation and so on and so on and so on. And now it's here. It's in our hands. What are we going to do with it? Are we going to run our race? Are we going to run our leg of the race? <clears throat> we are to go into all the world. Now, for us, that might mean the local grocery store. That might mean the local park or a community event. For one of my daughters, it was Calcutta, India. For another daughter, she went on short-term. Well, both of the girls have been overseas. Sarah went to Japan, China, Hong Kong, which, huh? 
China. Rachel went to Greece and Macedonia and South Africa. Um, and they both did that with a Chi Alpha group. But not everyone can go. I get it. Some people, I, I speak English. I like American food. <laughs> I don't feel like I've been called to go over there. But man, I can pray for those who have been called. I love that you guys have missionaries on your walls out there. Because you guys are supporting that go, that go command. But don't feel like because you can't pack and go, doesn't mean that there are not great commission opportunities here for you in your local community. From, the, from before the time of Christ to the present, men and women have sacrificed their lives to th- fulfill the commission that God had called to them. Lincoln, in his address, closes with this statement that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain. I was listening to um, Andy Stanley some people may know his father, Charles Stanley. Um, I like listening to his messages sometimes. And in one of his messages, he talked about the fact that if you could ask Peter or Paul or one of the disciples who walked with Jesus how you, how you were doing and what they thought about what the church is today versus what they wanted the church to be, would we be ready for their answers? Probably not. Before the time of Christ to the present, men and women have sacrificed their lives to fulfill that great commission. This includes prophets, missionaries, pastors, evangelists, volunteers. No one has been exempt from this group. And even as generation after generation of Americans have taken up the standard, the American flag, it's here somewhere, There it is. The American flag, they've taken up that standard and gone to war to protect our freedoms. We still need generation after generation of believers to pick up our standard, the word of God, and get engaged in the spiritual war that is taking place right now. As Vanetta mentioned right at the first, you don't have to look far to find people who are unhappy and hopeless and frustrated and disillusioned and worn. You don't have to look very far at all. Those are the people who need freedom that is only found in Jesus. They're the people who need to be set free. <clears throat> I think of them as the being the least of these that Jesus talked about in Matthew 25, 34, and 40. That verse of scripture says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, and take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to eat, drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous answered and said to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? 
or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king replied, truly I tell you this, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. It's past time, past time, church. And I don't know your history. I don't know very much about you, except that you live in a small community and you are engaged in your community. I know that about you. But it's past time for the church, not Overton, the church, to pick up the baton that others have handed us. Jesus did not give us our freedom so we could make sure we made it to heaven. He didn't preach a one-and-done message. He wants whosoever will until the whole world hears. And I'm going to close with this thought. Before the end of the Civil War, Lincoln signed a document called the Emancipation Proclamation to take effect in 1863. And because methods of communication in that time were limited, um, accountability that laws were actually being enforced was even worse. There were some states who did not comply with this proclamation. The slaves in the state of Texas were, granted, were not granted their freedom until 1865, two years later. And that apparently is why we have Juneteenth now as a holiday. I didn't know that. I learned something new. Research has also shown, and this is going to blow your minds, that in areas of the Deep South, there were people still living in slavery conditions until the 1960s, 100 years after they were set free. They were kept isolated. They were kept uninformed and uneducated and made to feel like they owed the owner of the land something and they had to stay there till their debt was paid. But it was never paid. And so they lived as slaves. Those facts to me are staggering. But let's flip that coin. How many of us in this room still live in some type of bondage or another? Jesus paid the price for our freedom over 2,000 years ago. And we still live a life of bondage. Galatians 5.1, Paul tells us, It is for freedom that Christ set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. And I know that we all have our own homes and we have our own jobs and and we, you know, make our own living, whatever that is. But that's not the bondage that I'm talking about, and you know it. I'm talking about those other things that we allow to keep us from enjoying the freedom that only Jesus gives. The freedom that Jesus purchased was not so that we could post whatever we wanted to on social media. It is not that we are free to pick a political party that we agree with. It's not free to accumulate all of the toys and possessions we can. 
And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. Well, maybe except posting whatever you want on Facebook. (laughs) It's not even that we are free to make all of our desires and dreams come true. God says, make your wishes known to me. He wants to bless us. He wants to give us good things. He's a father. But the freedom that Jesus provides is so much more. It's so that we can be free from sin. Amen? We can be free from worry. Do we have any worriers in the room? We can be free from anxiety, free from fear, free from jealousy, free from addictions, free from anger and pride and unforgiveness, freedom from being judged by God because Jesus paid the price. When God looks at us, he doesn't see our sin. He sees the blood of his son. We can be free from the law. Our faith does not have to be a list of do's and don'ts. Our faith really has to be love God, love others. That's it. Love God, love others. We can be free from expectations. The list goes on and on. That's just the list I made over the couple nights. (laughs) But you have been set free. Say that. I have been set free. I have been set free. Don't let the enemy lie to you. Don't let him keep you in bondage. You are free. The price was paid in full. Remember when Jesus was on the cross and his last words were, it is finished, that's a merchant term. That is the equivalent of them stamping a bill paid in full. That's what that phrase means. It is finished. The debt was paid. We are free. Father God, I thank you for the freedom that you purchased for us. I thank you, Father God, that we do not have to live as slaves that we can be free because the Son has set us free. Lord God, I pray for this group of precious people here who have so graciously opened up the pulpit for me to share. I pray, God, that you would, at this moment, reveal to them, to their hearts and their spirits, what you have for them where you want to do some cleaning out of their closets, where you want to declutter their minds, where you want to free up their spirits. Father God, I pray that, that they would gladly relinquish those things. They would gladly shake off those chains that are holding them back from living that abundant life, from carrying that baton to the next person who needs hope. 